the soldiers will come But you know what? Anything that's worth, that, that's got a reward, it's worth fighting for. And uh, thank God He's put that in our hearts. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Why don't you have your seats for a moment? We have a family day weekend this weekend. And uh, if the government has done one good thing in terms of holidays, it's a family day weekend. That they would promote families and so... If I can say this, take a little time with your family. And uh, if, you, if you do that, and you know, not, that doesn't mean just all sit in the room and all be on your own device and, and just, no, no, connect with your family and not via text and not via this or that. <laughs> anyway, good, good to be in the house of the Lord. I, I say that and then uh, part of my family isn't even here this weekend. My, my wife is still over in... British Columbia, she's busy being a grandma, and I was able to slip out for a few days, so I, I started family day week early, and it was, it was wonderful, and I won't say any more about that because there's people nodding your heads, ah, yeah, you've fallen into the same trap that we did when we became grandparents. So I said, yeah, two hands up. And so, A <laughs> um, number of our young people are away, they're at the camp, Living Word has a camp this Weekend looks like they've had some good events and good things. Brother Matt Watkins is a speaker there. This Brother Eugene Bronze Assembly. Also a number of people traveling, some that have gone into Saskatchewan, down to Calgary, different places. Um, Brother John Perizok is ministering in Calgary this morning. And um, Brother Moses is there supporting him. He's there with some friends and family. So we, we thank the Lord for... All that are here, we also thank you for the visitors that are here with us today. And all of you that came out 
on this day. Um, also just wanted to mention next weekend, uh, Brother Jack Wallach from Poland will be here. We're looking forward to having our brother. He's a very solid brother in the Lord, does missionary work, and uh, very well versed in the Word, and I believe you'll be blessed. So, Brother Joe, we're going to make sure that he gets a chance to come over to your place, so don't, don't worry. We, we've got that covered, okay? Sister Maria, we're going to do that. And uh, remember also, mid-March, March 15th to 17th, we've got Brother Paul LaFontaine coming. The emphasis will be towards uh, family services on the weekend, and, um, and we're actually going to do that today, too. So we're going we're gonna to emphasize that way. Brother Glenn, good to see you here today. God bless you, my brother. We're praying for you daily. And we pray that God... We believe what was ministered here. We shall see miracles. And I believe we're seeing them. And we're praying for you. <laughs> we're also praying for Sister Ruth and uh, Ruth Hoyer. We're also remembering our brother Bob Combe this morning. Brother Bob is faithful. He's always listening in. Oh, friends, we, we believe God is on the throne. The devil is going about a rampage, but there are a people on earth that the devil cannot get a hold of, and that's God's people, and we're here for a reason, and, 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 and you know what? We can hold back the forces of the enemy by the God that's in us. Today's also a special day. Um, we've got a number of visitors here for the first time, and we, we want to welcome them. Brother Marco... Uh, has been witnessing to some people at, at work, and today we've got a couple of those people who are here. There's a brother Samuel that's here, and then there's also um, a brother Jeff that's here, and we, they've got some friends and family. Both of these brothers have a desire to be baptized today. So... <laughs> So we're going to have a baptismal service at the, at the end of the morning, which is a little different, but uh, I'm going to try and move along quickly. I'm not doing that by keeping you sitting here, but that's fine. Uh, we're going to do that, and, and we're happy to do that. So I believe it's special. Now, the devil is also angry when these things happen, and, but you know what? Greater is the God that is in us than the devil that is there. So, so we're thankful for, for all of that. And uh, we just want to make them welcome, and we're going to just go ahead into the service. Let's stand together, and let's just sing some glad morning when this life is over. Amen. Oh, some glad morning when this life is over, will I, will fly away. Bye. 
Amen. That's all the singing we'll do. Thank you to musicians. I'll invite you to go to your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll also read from Joshua 24. I want to speak today on the Christian family. And my subject will be God's family order. It has been on my mind for some time now to uh, take a little bit and minister to the level of family life. And the Lord willing, what I'm, I've been praying about it and, and how we would format it and I'm not sure how it will all work. But for now, what I want to do is maybe once a month or so, I want to take a service and dedicate it to families. I want to break it down. I want to structure it. Maybe we'll do some interactive things. But I believe it's very, very necessary. This church that is here today is not just a church of, of individuals gathering. It is to a degree, but it is a church that is built on families. It is a church that is not just individual families, but it is a collective family, the family of God. And so we want to take that this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Verse 18, and I and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the atmosphere. We're thankful for the gathering. We're thankful for the things that are happening today. We know that right now in a dimension that we cannot see, there are battles, Lord. There are enemies. There are evil spirits that would try to afflict us, to try to bring us down. But, Lord, we recognize there's also another power that's working, and that is the power of the living God. We believe, Lord, we're living in the end times, the closing times of history, when there's a time when Satan would be so predominant in the world. But, Lord, you have not left your people defenseless. You have given us a way of escape. And so we're asking you today, Lord, minister to us. Strengthen your people. Strengthen the body of Christ. Strengthen the homes that are represented here. We ask this today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may have your seats. I'll invite you to take your Bible and go directly to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And we are speaking on God's family order. And this is Joshua 24, verse 14. And now, this is amazing to me that, that Joshua, he's coming to the end of his ministry, the end of his time on earth, and he gives this admonition, and he makes it very personal. And he says, now therefore, fear the Lord... Serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day 
whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now look at, there was Egypt that was back there. That was a different nation. It was a heathen nation. But God destroyed that. Uh, and, and yet, there was a carryover. Could have been a carryover. And then in the new land they went, there was other influences. So, and yet, all of these were there, but God had a desire for them. And Joshua, as he concludes, he says this, But as for me and my house. Now, this is personal. This isn't... This is what our church believes. No, this is a personal stand in the middle of the house of God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, we all need to be reminded. We all need correction. We all need to understand that, you know, not one. This, this service this morning isn't a condescending message. This service is for the pastor. This service is for all the ministers, the deacons. This is for every one of us because we need to be reminded of, of where we're living and the influences that affect our homes, that affect our families. And Brother Branham would say in the message, knoweth it not, help us this morning to take corrections from the Spirit and the Word that we might prepare ourselves as we move away from the doors this morning determined in our heart to live a better life than we have in the past, we ask it in Jesus' name. Now, whenever we go down this path, I recognize that in, a, in any assembly, it's, uh, you know, we, we have what's called the message of the hour. We all like to have a perfect family. We like to have it, and I'll just say it right now, there is no such thing as a perfect family in terms of this is what you've got to attain to and anything less isn't. No, we've got people here this morning that come from broken homes. We've got people that live that were as an unbelieving spouse. We've got people that live single. We've got people that have a spouse that has passed on. But we are all connected to family somewhere. And I would just say we need to uphold that in some way because that is the strength of this church. This church is only as strong as the families and the members that attend here. And so we want to build up in our home. So this isn't this morning, well, this is what we believe. No, this has to become personal. And this has to be saying, and, 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 and if you want to raise your hand, you can. How many will say, I need more of God in this hour? I, I need more instruction, Lord, that we can be stronger in this hour. I, I raise my hands. There are things that I have not done as well as I could have, but I want to do better. So Lord, help us this morning. And that's, that's my burden as I go into this. And as I said, this has been on my heart for months and maybe even longer, a year or better, and I just want to approach it. And I will go slow today. I'm, I'm really, this may take many parts because I want to break it down into different areas of family life. And, and I'm, I'm just going to ask your prayers and your grace. But I need a commitment that we're all going to move together in this. And that this isn't just, you know, just some psychology word. No, this is God speaking to us. And I, I, I really want it to be that way. Now, as we look at the world, so this will be a little bit broad-based today. I really won't go into a lot of detail, but I want to set the framework 
for it. As we look around the world, at a, the world that's around us, we, if we're honest, we can say it's not a pretty picture. Um, the Bible said it would be, and it would say that it would in fact be like the days as it was in the days of Noah. You'll find this in the book of Luke chapter 17. It said, as it was in the days of Noah, so would it be in the days of the Son of Man. So Son of Man is a terminology. There is Son of David, Son of Man. There, there is Son of God. They're, they're different offices of God. But Son of Man is the prophetic office. And we believe in these last days, God is revealing himself in a prophetic office. But it said in these last days, this would be the conditions. And, and they don't pertain just to things that you would think are sinful, but people would just eat and drink and marry wives and give in marriage. In other words, oh, if I can't get married, I'll get to another one. Or I won't get married at all. We'll just couple together. That is not God's order. It never was God's order. And it's a perversion of the original. So, But this is the conditions it would become so common. Now, we live in this world, and, and that commonality can rub off into our lives. It can spill over into where we're at. And we don't want that. We want to esteem God's order. We want to esteem God's principles. So it would talk about the days of Noah. It would also talk about the days of Lot. And in Lot's day, they would eat and drink and build and plant Lot's day, Sodom and Gomorrah, was a perverse society. You can read that in Romans chapter 1. It was a homosexuality. It was, God was so upset with that, he destroyed it. And I'll say, if God was upset with it then, he's upset with it now. And all of these things that are happening, they're influences. They, they, listen, we can say, well, we're, we're not affected. We just shut the doors on that. But you got to send children to school. And children have got to read books that have now been ordained not by Christian values, but by the, the wave of public opinion. And it's not God's opinion. Listen, I'm not just saying this, that we're rebellious or one thing. No, we, we're just standing for something. We're not against something. We're standing for something. And so we want to stand for that. So, so this is the day we live in. These are the conditions. And it was in that day that the Bible said the Son of Man would be revealed. God in a prophetic office. That's the day we believe we're living in. Let me read two quotations to you from William Branham. And this is, in, in, it would be in, first of all, in 1957, both of these are. And, and you, you read, listen to this and see if that isn't true. What is it today? It's neurotics. It's mentality. Nine out of ten Americans suffering with mental deficiency Psychologists supposed to be mental interpreters, they are going wild. Listen, psychologists are going to see psychologists. That's the day we're living in. And, and if I talk mental strain, there's a mental strain that pervades our homes. Believers are not immune, but we have to recognize the devil at all of his tactics. And he says now, it is putting people in insane institutions. I believe I shared this already, but we were dealing with the, the police department on an issue some months back, and, and, and the constable that we were dealing with said, since COVID, 
They said they have never seen uh, a mental deficiency in people like it is now. It's an insanity. It's in homes. It's in youth. It's in every fabric of society. Listen, it's not an accident. It's a calculation of, of the enemy. He'll say here, insanity is on the move. Like, just think about what's moving around us. Insanity is on the move. Rape is on the move. Whiskey is on the move. Sin is on the move. And then he uses this phrase, device-icity is on the move. (laughs) Hey, this is a current message. Devices are here. It's on the move. I, I, I just about flipped when I saw this. I go, praise the Lord. God knew it would be here. Hey, we're going to have a battle, and we've got to take steps in our home, in our relationships, that these devices don't overtake us. You all know this, but I'm saying this, it's identified. And you're going to need to help your children, and you're going to need to help teenagers, and we're going to have to help each other. We cannot do it alone. We need God to do it. He said there's no way to stop it. Communism is sweeping in like a flood. There's no way. They're in the government. But in this darkest hour, here comes Jesus moving in, showing signs and wonders, giving salvation and mercy in the darkest hour this world has ever known. Let me take the second part of this. This is in a message, then Jesus came. It's the darkest hour that the family has ever seen. Look at families broke up. There are more divorces in America than in the whole rest of the world. Divorces on the rampage. Where has the honesty and the sincerity and the womanhood of our American women gone to? Look at the men. All they do is speed on the roads, trying to knock everything out of their way. Yeah, bigger trucks, bigger ego. Bigger macho, and you, you pull up in your little co- subcompact, and this thing is next to you at the lights, and vroom, vroom. Uh, my goodness, all they're doing is just pushing their little pedal. But they, they, they think they can express it that way. Hey, don't tell me that there isn't a few young men like that here today. A few middle-aged as well that are doing the same thing. <laughs> He says, look at our, our, he said, look at men. All they do is try to knock everything out of their way. And they can, and to drink beer before they get home. Look at our teenage girls, cigarettes in their hands. No matter how much medical science, they don't care, they don't care. And a preacher can stand and preach his daylights out and tell them it's wrong, and they call him an old fat fanatic. And the Bible said there'll come a time that they'll call evil good and good evil. And this is the day that we're living in. And I say, I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. I'm not ashamed to stand for truth. Hey, it may not be popular, but I'll tell you what, it it will stand. And if I can say it this way, the enemy will do this. He'll make falsehood look so big. But I will tell you, The littlest grain of truth is bigger than this huge tower of falsehood. And the truth will prevail. There'll come a time when I'll tell you the the God 
uh, 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 the God that was there in Abraham's day, in Lot's day, when that God will stand on the scene again. And in an hour of judgment, he'll stand there again. Now, let's just, just move along. Now, there are all kinds of conditions that these like this that exist around us. But in the middle of this, God desires a family order. There are great institutions. There are governments. There are educational institutions. And what we've witnessed over the last months is a great institution like Harvard, revered institution. And it's being brought to its knees because of the anti-Semitism and, and, and the ideology that has watered it down and, and, it, and it's people pulling out. Listen, that's, that's a man-made institution. Governments and politics and, you know, the, the parties in the United States, the Republicans and the, the Democrats. And I, 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 I would say, uh, and we're not into that. In fact, you could almost say, I, I refer to it as the Democrats and the Republicans. Because there's nothing... Saying about it anymore. It, it, there's, there's all kinds of things going on. These institutions, you know, the, the, the government that, that Abraham Lincoln founded, the, the one that George Washington was, they are, they're no longer there anymore. But there is one institution, one order that God is interested in today. He's interested in his family. He's interested in, in your well-being of your home. He's interested in your marriage. He's interested, you know, they, they say the oldest institution is marriage. And there's just jokes and spin-off, but that isn't the time for this. And he, and he says, but it is one that God is interested. I'm, I'm going to just start from the beginning and go back a bit. And like I said, today will not be, this will be sort of a springboard. And I, I want to really get into this over the next little while. And you just pray for me. So, so God is interested in the family unit, the family unit, and, 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 and we want to we take that and, <coughs> and, and go a little further. In, in a message, unbelief does not hinder God, said, in these last days, what it's going to take to stand is a scriptural trained church. Now, we want to be found in everything we do standing on the Bible. I want to be found preaching out of the Bible. I don't want to deviate from that. And I, I believe, you know, I, I believe that we really need to dust this book off. You know, and, 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 you know, two of the most important things are reading your Bible and praying every day. You, you want to have a stable life? This will be the hardest thing you do when you get up in the morning to read this book. And not just brush over it but to take it and to absorb it. And the other thing will be just to spend a little time in prayer. And if you can do anything else in your personal life, in your family life, is set that order first. Because I believe that's what's going to see us through. They asked, they asked Spurgeon, you know, one time, what, what, what's more important, praying or, or reading your Bible? He says, well, when you're breathing, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? You can't do one without the other. You need both. You need to pray. And you know what? Sometimes you don't feel like praying. You know what I do? 
I, I change the order around. I, sometimes I'll pray and then I'll go to my Bible. Sometimes I start to, pray, to read the Bible. And as I'm reading, something starts working. And I drop to my knees and pray. The two work together. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to just skip some of this, but we're reading, we're, we're taking principles from verse 26 and 27. This is God's intent from the beginning. And, and you say, he says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish and over the fowl of the air, the cattle, the earth, every creeping thing. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God cre created he him. Male and female created him. Now, I'll come back to this. And in verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful. Now here's God's order. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. What was God's intent? I want to have a family. I, I want to have sons and daughters. I want to have children of my own. And then he also says this, and subdue it, knowing that there would come conflict. <clears throat> if I can say it this way, if you're a father, you're a mother in your home, you're still under this command. Something comes in your home, you have a right, if it's a wrong influence, to kick it out. If, if there's something that's affecting, if there's a spirit affecting your home, you have a right to subdue it. You, if you're a parent or a parent family, you have the authority under God's word to take the dominion over that situation. Now, it, it's quite often we just do, take it on the legalistic side. I'm in charge here. No, you've got to do it prayerfully. You've got to do it with an atmosphere. You've got to do it knowing that God and all of heaven backs you up on this because that's God's order. Subdue it. Have dominion over it, he's saying. Now, let's, let's just, I'm, I'm just going to pick up, let's just pick up Genesis chapter 2. Uh, now, he created man in, in chapter 1. In chapter 2, just go to verse 7 first, Brother Dan. And here he says, the Lord God create, formed man out of the dust of the gr ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. So in, in, in Genesis 1, this is man in his theophany or soul form. We really are a three-part being. There's an outside, there is your flesh. There's an inside, there is your spirit. Now, animals have flesh and animals have spirit. You will meet certain animals, dogs, sheep, cats, whatever they are, and you, you know, they're not all the same. Some of them are temperamental. Some of them are this because they have a spirit. And just because they all look different, but they don't have a soul. Man is on a higher level. Man's got a soul. And that's what God is interested in. So in Genesis 1, he creates this theophany being, and he puts man and woman together. But now in Genesis 2, he forms them, uh, takes out of the dust of the earth, forms all the different things together, breathes the breath of life into him, and now that soul has a part to live in, 
And, and here is Adam on the earth. Verse 15, and the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So this is part of subdue. This is part of be the God. Be, take ownership. Take, take this under your dominion. And so here is man. Now, after a while, you know, in, in the due course of time, God tells Adam, you know, name all the animals. And Adam, he, he'll, he'll name the animals. He'll, he'll do all of these things. It's actually interesting, the order that, that God places here. But, but he takes all the animals and names them. And he notices here is a sheep and, 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 and there's a male and a female. And here is a lion and there's a male and a female. And here's this and it's a male and a female. And, and the more he keeps looking, it says, how come there's only one of me? And as this hunger began to come, and this hunger was the same hunger that God felt. Because Adam was a son of God. The first son of God. And the hunger he felt was a reflection of his heavenly father. He desired a mate. And, and so the conditions, when the time was right, and then God put Adam to sleep. Now, this is a type of Jesus Christ. He put him to sleep, and he drew out from his side his mate, the female part of him, and they came together. This is God's original order. Let me read to you from the masterpiece message. Brother Bam says, now, we could go on and say that. But in the beginning, when he smote the side of Adam, he took something from his side. Now the smiting of Christ was for a cause that he might take from him one to be a family. Masterpiece message. To be a family, the bride, that he might take the bride. And when his masterpiece was perfected, that was Jesus Christ, then he had to smite it. The reason Jesus died was that God could pull a bride from his side. That he could begin to bring his family. His family that had fallen in the Garden of Eden was going to be restored through Jesus Christ. So God, even though Satan came and entered the picture in the Garden, God's original will and purpose is never defeated. And he's interested today in marriages. He's interested in families. He's interested in seeing that he is, he is the center of our lives. So now I, I'm going to, if you can, now notice this for a moment. When God created animal life, botany life, the, the phraseology in Genesis 1, it says, let the earth bring forth. Let the earth bring forth trees and, and flowers and every good thing. And then let the seas bring forth fish and let them do all of this. Let the earth bring forth birds and, and animals. So when, when there was a male and a female lion, so he took one part of dust here, one part of dust here, and the male and the female came together and they were separate pieces of dust, but they came together. But God did not have this order when it came to man. Because the woman was already in the man. 
Let every seed bring forth of its kind. So under God's order, he was going to go higher than dust. He, he could have made you and your wife one piece of dust, another piece of dust. But that wasn't his order. And God is interested in families. Why was he so adamant about Abraham? Abraham, not to take any woman. But when he was looking for a bride for his son... And he was looking, and so much so, it was, it was a heavy burden on Abraham's heart because he wanted to bring forth unto God the right kind of family. Right. And don't take any woman. And he charged Eliezer, his servant, now you find a proper wife for my son. This is God's order. Listen, I, I, I'll need to minister and dwell on this when we, when we come together, uh, you know, we, listen, when you're, when you're, go back in your mind, some of you that are elder, some of you that are younger, some of you that will be living this out, you're, you're going to meet someone, or you did meet someone, and it was all about, hey, oh. That, that part that I've always longed for. And to a degree, it was a personal gratification. And yet it was more than that because after a while, you, you cared for her. You wanted to do things for her. So it, from, from what was a personal desire became melded together where her desires and his desires are brought together. And yet that in itself wasn't the finality of it. Because then maybe they're placed within the two is we should have children. And, and those of you that have had children, you know this. When you have a child, your lives will never be the same. You can never go back to where it was just two of you. There's times when you're waking up in the middle of the night and they're crying. And when you're changing diapers and, and when they're in trouble at later in teen years and, and you're, you're, you're thinking, why? <laughs> but you know what? You can never live without them. Because it's a product of what was in you both. And it brings you together in a way that's never before. So was it with God. Now, hear me out on this a little bit. In Genesis chapter 1, Every time you refer to God, it, it just refers to God, the name in, the, in, in that meaning means Elohim, self-existing one, the lonely God, the God that filled all space and time and eternity. And that God, he, he dwelt alone, but in him was a desire to have a family. So that desire had to unfold. He created creation and, and, and you know, why, you know, all, all of these things would happen. So now in Genesis chapter 2, and it says, God blessed the earth the seventh day. Now when it comes to Genesis chapter 7, when he's creating man out of the dust of the earth, the terminology changes. And it says, the Lord God. That means Jehovah. Jehovah means the one who exists with family. 
So once he unfolded this part of himself, he could never go back to being Elohim again. He's going to live for his family now. That's the God that we serve. Now, let me read this because we, we went into this in the adoption message the other day. And he'll say, before he made man, he called himself Elohim. That means the self-existence all by himself. He was the only one. But in Genesis 2, I am Jehovah. What did it mean? The all-existent one who has created something off myself to be a son of mine or a temporary amateur little one of mine. He gave man to be an amateur God. Now he is Jehovah, meaning the one who exists with family. And he gave the earth to man as a dominion. And it was Jehovah now who once was in self-existence. He exists with his family, his little ones with him. Let me ask you, you that, and, and hey, now I'm finding myself in another zone too. Two, two grandchildren. Hey, <laughs> you can never be the same. Kids are one thing. Grandchildren are another, right? And, and you know the old saying, if, if I knew grandchildren were this much fun, I would have had them first. <laughs> yeah. You're just sitting there holding them, and then you feel this, this kind of rip-roaring discharge underneath you. And then you say, I think I'm finished holding him, and you give him back to the mother. It's wonderful to be able to do that. I didn't have that privilege when I was just a parent. But as a grandparent, oh, here you go. <laughs> oh, man. It's wonderful that the plumbing's working. Let me just say that. Better than if it's not. So, like, there, there's different elements to this that you cannot know until you experience it. But, but think about you know, the other day, uh, I, I, oh, I was just listening to a service, and it just so struck me. What does God delight in? He delights in his children. You know, it's the simplicity of his children. The Bible says, Enoch walked with God, and before he, ha before he was taken away, he had this testimony that he pleased God. In other words, God was so delighted. Look at my son there. Look at what he's doing. Now, we need to get this image out of our heads that there's an angry God, because that's how Satan portrays him. He's an angry God. He's ready to cuff you the minute you're wrong. No, that isn't the God we serve. Now, he's going to correct you, and he's going to help you to get better. But he's not there to smite you the minute you do wrong. When you feel that, know that it is not God. That is the enemy. And it's not the way we should rule our houses. It's not the way we as parents should be. We shouldn't be there. You're not lining up. No, you need to work with your children. You need to take an example from our Heavenly Father. Now, so, so He loves us. He wants, he wants, He takes pleasure in us. So He moves from Elohim. There's a young man who'd, he's passed on now. Brother Andrew Malcolm. I mean, he just had some uh, one-liners, and, and we just love the brother, you know, and, and he was a perpetual young person. I mean, he, he, he was in his 
40s and upwards, and he was still coming to young people's meetings because he was, he was the shadow, right? And, uh, and he would come. And, and, you know, we were talking, and he was in the hospital, and, you know, and, you know, you, you never got married. You never... I'm like Elohim. <laughs> I'm the self-existing one. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> Ah, but you know what? He was part of our family. He was part of our family. So, so here is Jehovah. Now, in the, in the New Testament, I won't go into this, but there's, there's seven different manifestations of Jehovah. It's Jehovah Jireh. There's Jehovah Shalom. There's Jehovah Nissi. There's all these different things. But if you read what each of those means, Jehovah Jireh means that he is the God who sees and knows and creates he, he, he works on your behalf. Jehovah Shalom, he's the God of peace. He, he, Jehovah Nissi, he's, he's the Lord our banner. So Jehovah, now all of, those ob, all of those things, they wouldn't have a meaning if there wasn't an object that he could place that on. He, he's a God of love, but if he's a God of love, what is love without somebody to affect, be affectionate with? So he wants to love you. He wants to be Jehovah. He wants to be in your lives. He wants to be in your family. So, so it's all a part of God unfolding himself. Now, as we move along, he'll never go back to being it. He's, he's got a masterpiece family. He is now wanting to move a step further. Now, there was a man. He was in, in, in World War II. He's, he's a Christian man, a secular Man, but his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and, and he was a, a man who was in prison, and, and he was in a Nazi prison cell, and he's writing to his family, and he's saying these words, and I thought they were good. I, they were brought to my attention here the other day, and, and marriage is more than your love for each other. It has a higher dignity and power. It's God's holy ordinance through which he wills to perpetuate the human race Till the end of time. In your love, you see only your two selves in the world, but in marriage, you are a link to the chain of generations which God causes to come and to pass away to his glory and causes to come to his kingdom. Now, we have, we have different brothers and families, and, and I, I, I look back and I had a godly grandmother. My, my mother's here today. She just turned 91 this week, and I'm, I'm happy for her, and God bless you, Mom. I'm glad she's still here. I wouldn't be alive if she wasn't here, if she wasn't praying for me, and neither would you, Bern. You wouldn't be here either. God put her here. Why? To subdue the earth, to, to lay a hold for her family. So... It, it, she took it because God placed that in her. There's other brethren that are here. Um, Sister Dross, you had a godly husband. You've got a family. You're a grandmother. Your husband has passed on. But yet you are still living for your family. You, you haven't stopped loving him. God put you here for that purpose. Brother Mark is here. Brother Mark had, had a godly father and mother. But before that, he had a godly grandmother. He had a heritage, and he was brought into it. It hasn't stopped at, at level one, level two, level three. It's still going on to his children. Brother Mark and Sister Colleen have a great interest in their family. 
They're, 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 they're not just here living for the, hey, what's it going to be, what's it like if, if you have Christmas or Thanksgiving and, and they're not all there? It's not the same. You want them there. What's it going to be like if we go to heaven and they're not there? We're living for that moment. God put that in us. So marriage was not just uh, so we can, you know, have. No, it's a responsibility. We're now got a commitment. We're entered into the program of God. We're here for our family. Noah, he, he came up and he said, he said uh, I'm, God told him to prepare an ark. And the Bible says he prepared an ark to the saving of his family. In his mind was, my family's going to be saved. And whoever else wants to, they can come too. But it was for his family. When Paul and Silas, they were in a, in a jail. And, 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 and there was an earthquake and they were men of God. And, and, and they were falsely accused and bound. And, and God ordained an earthquake and the Philippian jailer, when the earthquake came, he thought all the prisoners had left. And here's Paul and Silas, and he said, we're still here. Don't, don't. He was going to commit suicide. Don't do it. We're still here. Why are you here? You could have escaped. No. He says, we're servants of God. And then he just breaks down and said, what do I have to do to be saved? Now, this is an amazing quotation to me in the Bible. He didn't say, oh, well, he just said, believe on the Lord. And he says, and you will be saved. He didn't stop there. Believe on the Lord and you and your house will be saved. Now, God has not given you your faith just for yourself. I think you can appropriate it to someone else. I don't believe we... Listen, you say, Brother Ed, you're, you're really going far. I'm giving you the premise of God's initial thing on in Genesis, but you go all the way down to the millennium, and I'm not going to read it this morning, but read Isaiah chapter 65, and he says, and they will be there. Their offspring will be there. I believe that we can hold that promise. It's in God's word. And I, I'm, that's what I'm living for. And I'm going to keep living for that. And I keep telling the enemy, you can't have them. You have to stand for what you believe. We are here for a purpose. We are God's restraining force. When the enemy comes, when waves come in, you know, you know the, the sun, you know, the earth gravitates uh, you know, around the sun, but the earth also has a moon. And when the tides go so far out, and the tides go so far out, and, and it looks like, no, sorry, they, they come back in on the earth, it looks like they're going to overtake the earth, but then the moon comes up, and there's gravitational pulls from the moon. And what is the moon? It's a type of the church. It's a reflection of God. And when the enemy would come in, the moon, moon rises up, and it pushes the tides back. When the enemy comes in your home, you have a right to push him back. We're here for a purpose. Now, I'm not just talking about salvation because I'm, I'm really going to take my time on it. I'm talking about instruction. I'm talking about train a child to, to grow up the right way. I'm talking about all aspects of this. And I believe God's interested in it. Now, let's... Let's go a little further. Let's turn to, well, just, let's turn to Genesis chapter 18. 
Like I said, I'm only going to go so far, but I, I really already been taking notes and going further. Genesis 18. This is, to me, an amazing thing. God is about to destroy Sodom. He, Sodom, the, the sins of Sodom had got so bad, he's about to destroy them. And when God called Abraham, he called Abraham alone. But Lot joined up with Abraham. And he went along, but along the way he got sidetracked and he entered into Sodom. Now, I believe, you know, as, as the prophet would say, Abraham was like a silver dollar, maybe Lot was a penny, but he still would add value. And now God is coming to destroy Sodom. And he's going to destroy them. But the heart of God, I don't really just want to kill everyone. Like I can't stand the sin. But I know that there's people who would want. So what does he do? He said, let's stop by and visit Abraham along the way. Now, now just let's read this from verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? Now he says, I can't, I can't hide from Abraham what I'm going to do, because I've got, I've got something in my mind for him. Now here, here's what God sees in Abraham. God is disclosing, maybe Abraham doesn't see this. In fact, Abraham doesn't even have children. But, you know, this is all happening as Abraham is undergoing um, a body change, if I will. He, he meets a visitation in Genesis 18, then there's Genesis 19. Uh, sorry, then there's Genesis 19 about the destruction. But it's after that that he has the promised son. But God already sees this in him. Verse, verse 19. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So God is already looking into Abraham. He's going to have children and he's not just going to have a child and leave it there. But he's going to do this. He's going to command them. He's going to instruct them. And they are going to keep my ways. Abraham is going to follow what my original tent was from the Garden of Eden. And he says, and, and they're going to do justice and judgment. Now, let's look at what we have in our homes. What, what is it? Is, is children just an annoyance when I come home and I just need my own space? Our, our, our children, listen, this is, this is a bigger commitment. And, and I will say, the enemy, there's an enemy outside the world around us, but there's an enemy that comes inside. And the enemy that comes inside, he infiltrates just with a little lukewarmness, with just a little bit uh, of iniquity, and it's a little bit of feeding myself, and maybe I'll, I'll take, you know, my own time, and, you know, the children can go over there, and they can be on their iPad, and they can be on this. That's not what God wants. 
In fact, I will say that's part of the divisosity that Brother Branham was speaking of. And I think sometimes, and listen, all of us have done it. I, I raise my hand. I'm on the computer just looking up something, checking some news, and, and what was a 20-minute effort becomes an hour and a half. And all of a sudden, something is left negligent. But God sees in Abraham something here. He's going to go beyond that. Now, why am I preaching this? Because we need it. Because I need it. We all need it. Hey, I came to a revelation here the other day. I'm a grandfather. And I realized that Abraham was a grandfather to Esau and to Jacob. Now, it doesn't say that he, what he did, but I'm sure he was watching. And I'm sure he was praying. And I'm sure Abraham had an interest in what was going on. So, hey, wherever you find yourself, find yourself in the Word of God. Now, let's, let's just take this. God has an interest. Let me move quickly in this last little part. Now, there's a few principles I'm going to be dwelling on. I'm just going to go over them, and that'll really be where I end the service today. But, but some of the principles that I want to take is, you cannot save your children. You cannot order the way they turn out. You can't write the script for their life. That is not in your hands. So, first of all, I'm going to say, if your children, if it didn't turn out the way you want it, don't go and beat yourself up right now. Because there are children that have come from negligent homes that have turned out wonderful. And there are children that have come where every opportunity has been given them and they haven't turned out that good. So I'm saying this, it is not in your hands. It is in God's hands. God is the one who does it. But there is an atmosphere that we need to create. And, and there's an atmosphere that we need to provide. Now this is from the token message. He says... Get ready, apply it, believe it, let your children, let your family, let your loved ones see it in you. The greatest example will not be how you are on Sunday morning going to church and getting everybody in line. The greatest example will be your daily life. The greatest example will be how you interact with them. Create a relationship with them. Interact and move with them. What is the token, friends? It is not just legalism. I, I, I will get into it. But children, once you just put down rules and regulations, they'll look for a way around that. Rules and regulations without the Spirit of God, that is not the way God ordered this message to be handled. You can just apply it and make it regulatory and, and, you know, check it off and check it off. No, it is going to take an interactive heart. The heart of a mother and a father. So let, listen to what he says. Apply the token in prayer with consideration. Now, considering what? The nature of your child. They don't respond well in this way. I want to help them. So I'm going to help them because I know their weaknesses. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, but it's actually bringing them before the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, give me wisdom that they can see something, that they want what I have. Let it live out in me, that they can see it, and that will speak volumes to them. 
Better than any doctrine. Better than any rules. He said, apply it with love and so forth that you know it's going to take place. Apply it in confidence, believing it's going to help. Now listen to these words. These are simple words this morning. When you talk to that child, when you talk to your husband, when you talk to your wife, when you talk to your loved one, believe that it's going to help. Just stand there and say, Lord, I've claimed them. They're mine. I'm getting them for you, Lord. Now what does he say? You you won't do it. He says, apply it and create that atmosphere around you. So what can you control? You can't control the outcome, but you can control the atmosphere. Hey, and the prophet would say, there's some people, when you come around them, you love to be around them. What is it? It's the atmosphere around them. Now, there's times, I'm not in a good atmosphere I know enough that I need to get on some time away, be with the Lord if I'm going to be effective down the road. So sometimes, yeah, you need to pull away and draw away, but there's times, now, this, this is not like coddling your children. You can create this atmosphere and give discipline. And I'm going to speak a little bit on how to discipline. I'm not the, I'm not the expert, by the way. I'm being taught here as well, Okay. And I'm not going to preach discipline from the role of a grandparent. <laughs> Just so you know. Because <laughs> you don't even want to touch that little one. And it's not your business anyway. But I'm, I'm, I just want to say, why are we doing this? This is so elementary. We need it. We need to kill the devil that would try to pervade our homes. Now, this isn't just for children. But it's in marriages. It's between husband and wife. Hey, if, if you, if we as men, if our only role is I'm the head of the home and what I say goes, you, we have missed it. We have missed it. Because God gave you her. Not that the minute she asks a question that we just put her down. Not that this is how I see it. No. Hey, have you ever rationalized something over with yourself? You know, sometimes you're talking to yourself, well, if I do this, I do this. And then you go in prayer, if I do this, I do this. Well, that's one side of you. Now God gave you a female side. And and she has as much right to bring that to the table. And I'll, I'll tell you what, the prophet had his wife help him. I've had my wife help me. And there's times I have neglected to maybe listen to what God is saying through her. So why am I saying this? That we all humble ourselves a little bit. And that we all say, I want not just me to be strong. And not just a top-down approach. I want us all to be strong. I want us to communicate. I want us to, 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 hey, Create an atmosphere where you can talk, where you can communicate. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you're not comfortable because you, A, have to admit, I was wrong. But if we can respect each other's role and recognize we'll all come short in it, 
and that we can give grace for it. That helps. This, is, this will be coming a little further. Create that atmosphere. They'll drop into it. Create a spirit around you, a power that when you walk, people know that you're a Christian. And they love for you to say something to them. They believe your word. They hold to it. Now he says this, apply the token then. Walk with him. Claim your household. You must do it now. This is the evening time. The wrath will strike one of these days. It'll be too late then. So if God has given us a little more time, what is the time to be used for? Redeem the time. When, when Joshua stopped the sun, it, it, it wasn't just so everybody could say, hey, look what I did, I stopped the sun. No, it was for a purpose. The purpose was that the battle that they were in could still be fought. They still had things to do. And we say, Lord, hold back your wrath. I need loved ones to come in. And you do, you pray, you engage, you do things. What is it? It's for a purpose. The same God that came to Abraham is coming to our door. And he wants us, he wants to hear our words. Lord, these are my words. Help this situation. And listen, I can say this. If you, even if you don't have a husband or a wife or children, you all know somebody that does. And I know people in this room that go on their knees and go to bat for somebody else's kids. That go to bat for somebody else's situation. And I say, great is your reward in heaven. God sees it. God knows it. And I say, God bless you today. And God encourage you today. Hey, we're all part of a family of God. So, so these are the influences that can come. Now, so it's not your duty to save them, but you create an atmosphere. Second, here's a second point. By virtue of our births, and, and we were just discussing this with the people in the office this morning with Jeff and Samuel and, and the others that were there. You're born into this earth, but you must be born again. Now, so we actually live, we're actually citizens of two kingdoms. There's a natural man, and you know, the natural man will get all upset at the local government, not the local government, but the national government, and if you feed on that too much, you know, you'll be angry and you'll punch a hole in the wall or something. Because there's not a lot to, to derive pleasure from watching these guys go at it in the House of Commons. But I'll just say, so recognize that that's a part of it. But then recognize we live in a one world and we insulate ourselves from the other world. Because it's a world falling apart. So we need to draw boundaries between these worlds. Now... If I use the word I use insulate, it doesn't mean isolate. My, my daughter, she loves to go shopping to Costco, and there's a certain protein drink. It's only available a couple of days a month, and so she watches her, and it comes in, and so she goes and buys, you know, there's a 24-pack of a case. She buys not just one case, but 10 cases. And then she goes and buys cases of apple juice and cases of this, and, and they're walking out, of Costco with these cases, and it's kind of embarrassing, she says. People are looking at them. And he says, oh, they're preppers. That's who they are. Yeah, they're preppers. They're, they're preparing for the tribulation. <laughs> no, no, no. They're not doing that. They're just trying to take advantage of a good deal. 
You have to know my daughter. Anyway, the, the, the whole thing is, you know, we live in this world. God didn't mean for you just to live, you know, isolated. No. He wants you to be out there. Brother Marco, that's why there are people here today because you shared the, the gospel. And, and not you were a part of it, but God was already dealing with them. God doesn't want us to isolate, but insulate yourself. There's certain things, and you need to teach your children what is correct and what is not correct. And there's different stages that you teach them. Okay? So let's, that, that, this is not today's lesson. So this is a part of it. We have to recognize that we're, there's, there's a cosmos, a world falling apart, and it's going downhill, and we're not ordained to go down that ship, with that ship. But we are to a higher order. Now the other thing is, is we need to recognize, like Abraham was, he was going to teach his children. Just put up Psalms 34, verse 11, Brother Dan, if you will. Uh, you know, in, 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 in this, it, it gives us instruction. Come ye, my children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We believe it's the end time. Well, it's just the end time. Let's just, no. You still need to instruct. You still need to teach. You know, what if we did this 30 years ago, 40 years ago? What would that generation look like? Keep doing what God has instructed you to do. And you need to teach. You need to mentor. You need to, you're not here just for yourself. When you come to church, it's not about what I can get. Sometimes it's what you can give. It's what you bring to the service. Okay, there's more to it. So it says... Come, my children, hearken unto me. So God's original masterpiece was not just a church, but a family specifically ordered. There is no building of the church apart from the building of families. It needs families. The family belongs to God. He created it. He determined its structure and its order. He's the one who established it. Psalms 127. Just put that up, Brother Dan. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Now, you, you can read this whole part and, and it would talk, it is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Low children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Nobody ever told me the joy that you would have of having children. This world tells you it's an inconvenience to have children. That's the thinking of this world. That, that, that's their thinking. But you know what? And, and as much as people told me, well, do everything you can before you have kids. Because after you have kids, you won't be able to do nothing. Are you kidding me? We had our kid and she was, Anna was like six months old. And we were climbing to the top of Sunshine Mountain on, a, on, a, on the trails and with a, with a, with a built-in hiking mobility wagon of sorts. And we did it all. That didn't stop us. But you know what nobody told me? Nobody told me the joy the joy that would happen when, when you witness that little life and you hold it in your hands. I mean, it is amazing. It is a gift from God. Now, this is natural birth. What about spiritual birth? We have some brothers that are going to be baptized today. Hey, if, if this is natural, what about in heaven? 
They're going to look down and the angels are going to say, hey, there's two guys getting baptized today. There's joy in heaven. God is interested. It is wonderful. And so, listen, it, it isn't just our home. It's God's home. It's not just our children. It's His children. It, it, you know, we don't got ownership over them. God's got ownership over them. He'll take care of them. He'll watch over them. If He's the Lord, that in your family, it will influence every part of your family. So I believe that we need to recognize that. Let me just read from influence, and I'm going to maybe have to cut this short because of the baptism. One of the great lackings of today in America and the rest of the world is a godly parent to set an influence on their children. Parents of this day has got away from the principles of the scripture. They want more of the fashions of the world. Now that's the family. This is the church. And the churches have done the same thing. They've let down and brought the world into the church. That's why I hate to say it today. We have before us these young people, hoods and characters and it's because the home life they were influenced in. And he talks about Uzziah, the king, at about 16 years old after his father's death. His father was a great believer. His mother was a fine woman. And the king was crowned at a young age. And he quickly took to a road that was right because of the influence of a godly father and a godly mother. I will say to you, I was raised up correctly. I had a mother that raised me up with the right principles. And no matter how far I got into the world, there was still this little something that stayed with me. And it was a little voice, and it was a little something. And at the right time, God used that to bring me back home. Brother John, it's still in you today. It's in you, Brother Ed. You've had a godly parents. God has done these things. What should we do? We've got a great responsibility. There's a little bit more I got to go to. Ah, my, my. How am I going to get to all of this? Let's, let's just take one or two more, and then I'm going to just wind it down. The Christian family is a family that places Christ at the center of everything they do. The secret of a good family is to A, cultivate a relationship with Jesus Christ. B, and that is to cultivate a relationship with one another inside of that. My wife, we, we, we watched very carefully in the neighborhood we were in. We, did, we, didn't, we weren't isolationists. You know, there was no fence around our property saying, this is a message home, don't come near. No, the influence was from within and it stayed and we welcomed the neighbor's kids to come to our home. Why? Because we could influence what was going on there. If they invited them over, we didn't know what movies were being played. We didn't know what language was being spoken. So we never went down that ground. We kept it on our ground. And I believe that even to this day, we had an influence. I know my wife had an influence in the school she attended. Hey, I know it. When my little boy, my, my well, it was not a little, he's, he's Caleb, but he was, he was just like 10 years old. And, and you want to talk about an influence. He was going to a school and there was a substitute teacher. And the substitute teacher uh, said, we're going to a gym. We got a gathering today. And, and, and the music that we're going to come into is, we will rock you. 
And everybody had to march into this. And, and Caleb goes up to the substitute and says, uh, I don't think I can go. It was why? No, my, 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 I can't go. You, you go with everybody. No, you don't, you, my mom would not want me to go. Listen, just go. And then he looks at her and he says, you don't know my mom. <laughs> hey, it was ingrained in him. He knew what was right. Where did that come from? It had to be taught. And not just taught, it had to be lived. It had to be exercised. Listen, friends, I, I, there's a long way I could have gone down the road here today. I want to close this off. I want to take for the last seven minutes, I want to play a little portion of a tape. Do you have that, Brother Dan? If you can get that ready. I, I don't normally do this. This is a little portion of a recording, but I think it's important. The prophet speaks here and he says, this is how I grew up. It was a broken home. It was all these different things. But he, he, he brings his life into an equation that yet God thought of me from the beginning and he has something for me from the end. This is out of power of transformation. Just wave at me when you got it ready. It's ready. Okay, just, just seven minutes. Just stay with this and then we're going to change the order of the service. And now there's many things and talk about my natural birth. There's many things in my natural birth that I can't brag on. I'll tell you that. I ain't got nothing to brag on. My mother was a sinner to begin with. My father was a sinner. And they come out of a bunch of cutthroats and gunfighters. And most of them died with their boots on, drunks and bootleggers and everything else out of Kentucky. My mother a half Indian. And I, I have got nothing to brag on. I can't brag on my family tree. But glory to God, there's one thing I can brag on, my second birth, which comes from Jesus Christ. I can brag on that parent that we have. For he is my father. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. I can brag on everything that he has, he's done for me because now I become his son. I'm no more a son of Charles Bannon. I'm a son of Jesus Christ. That's right. I can brag on my birth now. I can't brag on my first birth. There's nothing. I'm ashamed of that. But I'm not ashamed of my second birth. No, no. I'm not ashamed of my second birth. How do you do it? By the washing of the water by the word. That's right. Truly predestinated believers stay with the word. And they won't pervert it. It can't be perverted. Oh, sons and daughters of God, why can't we have this great fellowship that we ought to have with all the sons and daughters of God? We should have it, but they just won't do it. That's all. Because they're not truly sons and daughters from the sea. As I said the other night, I was going to add that row down here, but I haven't got time to get to it. I'm quitting now. That little inside of the inside. That's where you start, which is your soul. Then come from that, your spirit. And then you become a living being. Now the living being has five senses to contact. The second has five senses. That's the outside body, see, taste, feel, smell here. The inside body has love and conscience and so forth, five senses. But the inside of the inside, the control tower, it's either God or Satan. And you can mimic any of these things. You can contact like, like, the, like a Christian, or you could cast out devils like a Christian. But the inside control tower, the beginning, the origin, isn't of God. It'll never return to God. You understand it? Did not Judas cast out devils? Did not Caiaphas, the one who condemned him and put him to death, even prophesy? But he couldn't stay with the Word. That's right. Transformed from the church and the world into sons and daughters of God. Notice, just in closing on. And now, how the wandering sons of God, wandering out there in the world, some of them 
this denomination from denomination to denomination, like wandering stars, never stable, like a leaf on the water in the autumn. We see it Leo, back in the east there, the leaves that blow down on it, and every little wind would blow it from this side to that side. But God wants us to be stable, anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. Anchored in Jesus, I fear no winds or waves. Whatever it is. Many of you remember the Inchcape Bell when he was a school boy, girl in school. Abraham and Sarah's body was transformed to meet the condition of the promised word. They were old. Abraham had received the promise of Sarah when he was 75. She was 65, past menopause, lived with her, then she was a girl, was a half-sister. And to keep that promise, both of their bodies was transformed from an old man and woman to a young man and woman to meet the promise of the day. Glory to God. That makes me feel so good. See, I don't care what I was. I don't care how I come here. We can be transformed to meet the promise of this day. When we can dwell together in unity and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit to live as brothers and sisters. Enoch, his whole body was transformed to meet a type in God and was taken to heaven without even seeing death. Enoch was. Elijah done the same. Jesus' body was transformed from a dead, cold form, pumped, beat until his bruises, his, his ribs stuck to his back and, he, and his heart was run through with a spear probably that wide, stabbed right through his heart and blood and water came from, even the moisture from his body left and the blood run down the spear and off his feet and trickled onto the ground and he was so dead until the moon and stars said he was dead the earth said he was dead, had a nervous prostration the, the rock shook out of the earth and everything, everything said he was dead, even God hit his face, he's dead but his body was transformed why? Because God said, I'll not leave his soul in hell, neither will I suffer my holy one to see corruption. There's no way to do it. Some of these days our bodies may be stretched out in a casket. We may come, you may come and look upon me, laying in a casket. I may come and look upon you, might have to uh, say the last words over you, or something like that. But you'll never keep us in the grave. They may lay rocks over you, they may bury you in the sea, they may do whatever they want to. But the transforming power of God, Second Thessalonians said, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those that are asleep. For we say this, you do out of the commandments of the Lord, that the trumpet of God shall sound in the dead, and Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain, as the song said this morning, shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. The transforming power of God has taken us from the chaos of science and education and the things of the world and the understanding of this modern day has transformed us now into sons and daughters of God, and even death itself can never hold us in the grave. We'll be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Oh, you mean to say, I mean to say that that's the truth. Jesus, that word stood on the earth, which was the word, the one that was raised up and raised Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There's no way to stop the living word of God. It's got to rise again. From all this chaos of this modern scientific Eden that we're living in, of culture and, and uh, science and education, all this modern stuff, we'll rise, this robe of flesh will drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize someday. 
will go through the air and this will all be over for the word of God that's brought us from these modern thinking of our mind, transforming our mind into the renewing of our hearts towards God and our spirits. That same spirit that spoke that has transformed us this far and it also will take us into his presence, into his glory with a glorified body. They shall build houses, they shall inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards. In all of our scientific search, we plant a garden. Our sons come along and take the fruit from it. And their, his sons come to take it from him. And they plant another and eats. And they build another habit. But long will be the days of my servants. They'll be there in their offsprings with them. They'll build in another and not inhabit. They'll plant another and another eat thereof. What? The very God, the very prophet, that the word of God said, a virgin shall conceive, promised us this. How do we get it? We are potentially there right now. See? Because God said so, it has to be. When he raised Lazarus there, so don't think this is strange. For the hour is coming when all that's in the grave will hear the voice of the Son of Man. It shall come forth. Some to shame and some to life. What is it? Transforming. Transforming by the Word of God. Making us sons and daughters of God. And will also give us life in the world to come. Oh my. What more could I say? Listen not to the thing. Covet not this world's vain riches that so rapidly decay. Build your hopes on things eternal. They will never pass away. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Let's sing it. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Why don't you put that song up for us, Brother Dan? What is the stability in this hour? What is God? He's the only place. But when he had to put his foothold on earth, where is it today? It's on families. It's on Christians. It's on the principles he employed. That's the stability. Oh, the world has changed. The definition of marriage the definition of family, but it has never deviated in God's mind. It may sound old-fashioned, it may be archaic, but it is the truth. Let's sing it. Well, hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand.
thoughts on changing hands. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand and trust in God's unchanging.